I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, hustlers. We know that this 2024, the entrepreneurial journey is filled with challenges. An often overlooked aspect is the time-consuming task of processing payroll and managing government requirements. And did you know that the average admin spends a whopping 50 hours per month dealing with just government compliance? That's time you could be spending on growing your business, or let's be honest, taking a well-deserved break. But fear not, we got a game changer for you, introducing Sprout Solutions and their tailored solutions for MSMEs called the Payroll Starter. With Sprout Solutions Payroll Starter, you can finally reclaim your time and get your life back on track. Say goodbye to the stress of remembering tax dates or worrying about missed payroll runs. This bundle is designed to make your life easier and your business more efficient. And here's the best part. The cost starts just at 5,000 pesos per month for businesses with up to 10 employees. Yep, you heard that right. That's just 5,000 pesos per month. So why spend another minute routing in payroll paperwork when Sprout can revolutionize the way you manage your payroll and government requirements? Take the first step towards a more efficient business today. Visit sprout.ph slash payroll starter monthly 5k. If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode. So click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this episode. The Hustle Share Podcast is brought to you by Payoneer, a digital payment platform that provides online money transfer with its fast, flexible, secure, and low-cost solutions. Businesses across the world can pay and get paid globally. Visit Payoneer.com now. Also by ChatbotPH. Save time and effort for your business. Automate how your team does customer service, marketing, and key redundant processes. All by using a chatbot. Invest in your own chatbot now and use AI to run your business. Go to www.chatbot.ph That's the real hustle there, right? So I just went through it and did some hacks. Didn't get their permission. And after a while, once they started seeing the volume, you know, they'd call you up. And then you arrange for a more formal uh, integration with the bank. Welcome to Hustle Share, the podcast that features the daily grinds of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences, but that our hustles are very much alike. Now here's your host, Ronster Baypyong. Welcome to episode 53 of the Hustle Share podcast. My name is Ronster and I'm your host. And this episode is powered by Payoneer, a digital payment platform that provides online money transfer, empowering businesses around the world to grow globally. We are a proud affiliate of Podcast Network Asia, but before we begin, I'd like to remind you that there's a lot of adult language that we use in this podcast, so make sure there are no kids when you are listening to this. Because today we're going to be talking about the hustle behind a payment solution. 
that have helped so many Filipinos in buying their stuff online. And today we're going to have the founder of that startup that I'm talking about. And his name is Dick Chang, the founder of Dragon Pay. And today Dick is going to give us an idea of how he started out his hustle as a guy who took up computer science and eventually shifted his career path by learning business when he studied in Babson College. Dick is also going to be sharing with us how he ran his first ISP business coming out of Babson and how he was able to lead that business to be acquired by a big ISP company. Dick will also share how he did his hustle after the acquisition and how he functioned and how he led his team being the CTO of Moscom. And this is where it gets very interesting because Dick will share with us how he started Dragon Pay as a side hustle and how he ran Dragon Pay as virtually a one-man team for a very long time until he hired his first few employees. And then Dick will also share with us what led him to eventually go all in on his side hustle to become his main hustle and the challenges and the struggles he had to go through to put it up. Dick will also share how he was able to get in touch with the banks and how he was able to scale his business by virtually bootstrapping this for a very long time until he got funded by a Japanese publicly listed company. And please listen well because Dick will also share a lot of very good tips for us, especially for those people who are trying to figure out longevity in the startup game because that's very rare and how to scale a bootstrap business to success. So if you're ready to learn the hustle behind Dragon Pay, let's begin this episode right now. Welcome to the latest episode of the Hustle Share Podcast. We are with a very good friend of mine uh, today. And um, I've been I've known this, uh, this guy for a while. And, uh, you know, I hate to say it, but I'll just call a spade a spade, as I always fucking say in this show. But you're the nicest dick that I know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so welcome to the show, Mr. Dick Chiang. The founder and CEO, is he the CEO or COO? You, you're the main guy anyway. Of Dragon Pay. Yay. Hey. There's no sound effects yet, but eventually we will have. So watch out for that. We'll have live sound effects on Hustle, Hustle Share. And um, Dick, welcome to the show. Thanks for having the time to visit us here. Thank you for having me over, Ron. Uh, been looking forward to ha- to guesting in your yes. show. It's about damn time, you know. That's <laughs> what it is. So, Dick, you know, I, I've I've known you for a while uh, since my very first startup. I've been a big fan of yours. But for the benefit of those people listening to this now, Dick, what's your hustle? Okay, so uh, I'm the founder of uh, Dragon Pay, and we uh, we are basically an alternative payment solution company. We focus on uh, providing uh, online buyers a means of of paying for a purchase for a product or service online mm-hmm. through means other than credit cards. So in the case of the Philippines, that would be everything from online banking, mobile payments, ATM right. payments, cash payments through you know the, the neighborhood groceries, supermarkets, and what have you. Um, so we, we're basically extending the, the online store of the merchant to mm-hmm. be able to accept all sorts of payments. Wow, that's amazing. But Dick, again, you, Dragon Pay has... Allow before the proliferation of e-commerce and all uh, and accessibility. Now you're the only player in the game. But before this happened, 
this, your journey probably started a long time ago with, with, with internet and entrepreneurship. Let's ride the hustle share time machine real quick. But before we do that, I'd like you. I'd like to thank uh, first our sponsor, our, our, our venue sponsor. Always thank you to Podcast Network Asia, who is our network, who are, whose studios are located at the We Remote Coworking Philippines here in Metrowalk Pasig, for helping us out with our show. And check out their socials at, at Podcast Network Asia, and check it out on PodcastNetwork.Asia. So, Dick, when did you start? So, I, I'm stalking you. I know before that you're one of the few people in this country. That started, I mean, it studied in Babson College. Mm-hmm. Okay, not Adamson. It's Babson. <laughs> it's a different son. Okay. But before that, were there any early hustles that you did in your life, you know, that growing up that really forced you to be in payments and whatnot? How, how did you start your hustle? Uh, no, actually, I, I, I didn't really grow up in uh, what you would refer to as an entrepreneurial uh, family. So uh, pretty much I grew up thinking. So, Dick, how did you start your hustle? Because... Prior to this, like again, I, I didn't know what your background was. I just know you're a Babson guy, mm-hmm. right? And with Babson, again, not, people don't do that. But prior to that, were you did you grow up uh, like with, with with an entrepreneurship mindset, or how did you get exposed to this type of thing? Uh, no, not really. Well, I, I grew up in a you know traditional Chinese family, uh, mm-hmm. but my my parents are not really entrepreneurs themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So I didn't really grow up uh, in an entrepreneurial environment, and while I was growing up, I thought I was going to end up being a doctor. Wow. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I you know, passed the exams uh, for college and I thought I was heading for, 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 you know, for medicine. And then just like out of nowhere, the option of computer science came up and okay. I took that route and it's the road less traveled, I guess, at the wow. time. And it turned out, luckily, it turned out to be a good fit. So, so you yeah. knew how to code from back then? No, no, I didn't. Okay. Uh, I... I didn't really have much of an interest, to be honest, in computers. Uh, I didn't get my first PC clone until I was in my fourth year high school. And wow. of course, we were at that time, we we're talking, you know, the floppy disk. Yes. Yeah. The and, same and, button. Yeah. And the, you know, 640K <laughs> the kids memory. Call it the same button. <laughs> right. Uh, and of course, green screen and all that. Right. So, um, no, I, I, I'm, I'm ashamed to even admit this, but like, in my fourth year uh, high school, we had uh, a programming uh, assignment in BASIC. Okay. And a friend of mine wrote it for me. <laughs> I really couldn't <laughs> code <up>. back. <laughs> Shout out to that friend. Yes. You know? Uh, yeah. So I really just picked up uh, coding in college. Okay. I went to the Ateneo and uh, luckily I really enjoyed it. And mm-hmm. uh, I pursued the career in, in programming. Ah, So what were the first... Uh, programs back then they were coding at and what did you write it for per se oh so uh so i graduated in 1991 and i didn't really have uh much of a vacation pretty much after graduating from school went straight to work Mm -hmm. uh worked for Citibank, and i worked for the computer department and at that time they were uh overhauling the whole tellering system because prior to that the tellering system was basically the old monochrome a mainframe dumb terminal type of model and we were switching it to client server at the time client server was sexy right okay today nobody uses the word client server anymore (laughs) like what's that (laughs) but uh yeah Yeah. so that that is the main project that i was uh, assigned to Uh, it was pretty exciting uh pretty fun so it it was very trailblazing at the time so yeah now, in, in terms of that, so you were in finance already in banking and whatnot. Yes. So how long did you do the, fi- the, fi- the Citibank hustle until you 
went to? Because 91, you said you graduated in 91, and you did Babson in 93. Yes. Was that the thing in between before you decided to do Babson? Yes, that is correct. Uh, okay. Although, by the time I graduated in 1991, I already kind of had my heart set on going to graduate school. Uh, so it was already in the plan. And then I just knew that I had to take, you know, work for a couple of years, uh, get some experience. Because, I mean, it's hard to go into MBA school without any working experience. Exactly. But you, here's, here's the interesting part. Because you took up computer science. And how did you get the Babson opportunity, the MBA? I mean, you could have taken any MBA program anywhere. Mm-hmm. Right? Why Babson and why do you have to go all the way to, to Massachusetts? This is Massachusetts, right? It is. Right? So, Ivy League. There you go. Um, <laughs> why there? And it's an interesting part for me is you took up entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And, um, Master's of Business Administration, Entrepreneurship, Entrepreneurial Studies. That's, that's so far different. Than, than what, what, what's the mindset there? Well, I figured since I was into uh, computer programming, you know, yeah. if I go to grad school, it's either I go to the hardcore, you know, masteral computer science or doctoral route. Got it. Or I take on a totally different discipline like business. So uh, I, and to be honest, I did consider both alternatives and I did send applications for, you know, going for a master's of science degree right. as well as an MBA. But at the end, uh, you know, weighing the pros and cons, I decided that it would make more sense for me to take on a different skill to, to right. uh, complement what I already have, which is mm-hmm. the, the technical side. Uh, so I went through the different schools. And at that time, Babson was starting on a, on a new program specifically for entrepreneurship wherein they changed the whole way of doing MBA where mm. normally you would take different classes. So in this case, they came up with this totally radical program wherein they mixed all sorts of courses and they put it into modules. So you, you go through a module and you get to see like the life cycle of a business from startup up to the end. And wow. in every module, you learn the basic things you would need for finance, for marketing, for operations specifically for that life cycle. So wow. I thought it was a very exciting. And we were the, the guinea pig, uh, the first batch yes. that went through that program. <laughs> yes. And it turns out as well that uh, Babson was, uh, even up to now, they are the leading uh, MBA school when it comes to entrepreneurship. And I guess wow. that's where I sort of got the bug for entrepreneurship. So right. before I even graduated, I, I, you know, I was already set in my mind that you know, there's no turning back, that I know that when I graduate, this is the path that I will take. Got it. It will be an entrepreneurship route with my computer science background as you know as the backbone of yes, that so exactly. it's, it's tech per se tech mm-hmm. te- technopreneurship that's yes. what it is but again that that name that name doesn't that wasn't coined back then mm-hmm. right so what are the skills so you said you mentioned there is going to be skills that you had to learn right of course the computer science background banking finance so boom right that mm-hmm. right that established why now now it makes sense why you end up doing payments right but what are the other skills you had to learn in Babson that now helped you to give you probably more confidence. Like, you know what? Okay, now I'm a real entrepreneur. I'm not just a tech guy that, you know, IT guy with people who like, all right, fix my computer, whatever. So, because that's the tendency, mm-hmm. right? People, oh, you know computers? Oh, fix my computer. It's not fucking, like, you know, report my right? <laughs> <laughs> right? That's how they generalized geeks back then. Mm-hmm. And geeks back then were very few, per se. So, for you, how are, what were those skills that you had to acquire to give you then more clarity that, all right, this is it? I guess an, an, an MBA is not really a specialization by itself. I, I guess what I would credit uh, that program for is giving me a, 
a whole other way of looking at things uh, from you know the marketing side, the selling side, because I, I guess as is the case with most uh, programmers, I'm fairly introvert. Got so it. it's difficult for me to you know go out on a sales call or to talk to a lot of people. It's not really what I'm used to. Got it. Uh, and uh, the MBA program helped me in a lot of ways to, to address that part of uh, of my shortcomings. So perspective, really changing yes. perspective. Now, after this, so you did Babson for a good couple of years. Mm-hmm. Did you stay in the States for, for and work there and whatnot? Or what, what was the next thing that you did? Uh, no. Uh, so going towards the end of the two-year program, I pretty much was very antsy, ready to come back home and try okay. to start things out. So I got back here, tried to call a couple of friends and tried to figure out what is there to do. And this was 1995. Wow. Uh, internet was just starting. Dial yes. up. and all that sound so uh, some some opportunity came along and I started a small ISP just like what everybody did it was the lechon manok at the time or the pearl shake or what you know everybody was into that and it was fun for a a while Uh, and what was the ISP that you started? it was called Planet Internet Planet Internet so uh, we were doing some dial-up stuff it was pretty tough. I mean, uh, as you know, a lot of the small ISPs eventually dwindled down and disappeared. Yep, uh, ISP Bonanza and a couple more. Just like three or four that I, I was able to use in the early 2000s. Wow, early 2000s. Wow. So I was already out. By <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, oh, good. But ha- just shed some light in mm-hmm. the telco game before. Because back then, of course, there's... Is it high, more democratized that can, anybody can try the dial-up business? Or does it still end up in the same bandwidth that the main telcos have? How does that work, that business uh, model work? Uh, it was, well, it's really a simple wholesale retail business, right? So you get a big pipe and then you get dial-ups and try to fill up that pipe. You, of course, you oversubscribe it uh, okay. in order to make some money. Uh, back then, the telcos had no idea what to do with the business, so they were just happy selling Your you the phone sellers. lines. Well, well, yeah, you you would get the the internet pipe to them you know, to connect to an ISP, but at that time, the telcos themselves were not the ISP. Who uh, was the ISP? Uh, you would you know get a lease line all the way to the US, and back no then way. you you'd be talking to guys like PSI, UUNet, and you guys you would never hear these names nowadays anymore, wow, right? Wow. Because there was no Google yet right, or Facebook right, right. at the time. How did you hustle to get those those types of contacts? Because, again, the, what you had is a yellow pages and whatnot. Mm-hmm. How did you get to know them and and have that? Or is that because of the Babson connection? Too? No, it it was really the local connection already. So uh, when I came back home, I uh, called up some friends from the Ateneo. Uh, and there were some leads. And yeah, just got into that business. Uh, and... Uh, yeah, along the way, tried some other stuffs uh, that I found interesting. Okay. And then, uh, among other things, I, you know, I, during the early years, I was, I was getting involved with computer telephony. Wow. I was really interested with you know IVRs and and you know writing code to 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 do telephony. Right. And from that venture, I was able to get a connection to a friend of mine who happened to be doing. Uh, voicemail stuffs at the time. Got it. And from there, it further connected me to uh, Willie Gan, who was the owner of Moscom at the time. Right. And from there, the whole journey just continued. And, and so what was Moscom? Just for those uh, kids yeah. who are not yet born. So, when, uh, <laughs> no, because there's a, some, you know, I, I carbon date myself majority of the time asking this question, along with the guests, so pardon me for that. But 
What 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 was your business model in Mozcom that 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 you started with Willie again? Okay, so Mozcom is the first commercial ISP in the Philippines. So back God. then, when the whole internet was starting, the DOSD put in some seed money to get the schools connected to this global network. Got it. And to help subsidize the cost of those international connections, uh-huh. they took on a commercial partner. So this was Moscom, uh, who basically opened commercial service to the public uh, outside of the school. Because at the time, the original uh-huh. seed funding of the DOSD was intended for the school. Got it. So, um, so Moscom grew over the years. And because of the fateful moment that I, you know, I got introduced to Willie, eventually they ended up buying Planet Internet. And so ah. I became part of Moscom and that's how I ended up working for Moscom. First acquisition of an ISP, <laughs> right there, Exeter. I didn't know you exited like... Well, it, it wasn't much of an exit. But because still an acquisition. Well, yes. Win, right? uh, at that time, uh, that was already like late 90s and at that time, uh, the small ISPs were starting, you know, we saw the writings on the wall. Uh, okay. It's either you become part of a bigger one or you just die with the telco starting to come in. How is that for you? Because I, a couple episodes ago with Christian Blanquera and uh, Jeffrey C, we talked about the transition when you get acquired. So a mm-hmm. lot of it is, you know, processes that you have to streamline with the mother company. But for you, you know, if, as a founder, there's got to be some ego twisting that you got to do because if you're used to being shot caller and whatnot, mm-hmm. and, you know, now you have to f- kind of figure out where you're going to end up in the totem pole. How was that for you in that experience, and then eventually, how what 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 transpired with Moscom and you being in it? Uh, it wasn't that big of a, a transition for me. I mean, okay. Planet Internet at this time was like we're like a five-person company, oh, so we were okay. getting absorbed into like a 80 person company. So wow. there was not really much of a clash, okay. and I, I joined uh, Moscom more in the role of the technical side, so CTO, Got it. until. Eventually, when Dr. Gan passed away, then that's when I started taking on a more managerial role. Wow. Okay. Now, all right. Let's take a, Let's take our first break. Okay. And then when we come back, let's talk about when the dragon was born. Yeah, okay. <laughs> let's talk about that more after the break. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey guys, I have a very, very exciting opportunity I want to share with you guys. If you're a B2B startup founder, listen up. Your ticket to growth is here. Introducing Impact 24, the Philippines' largest B2B SaaS challenge. 
calling all startups in their pre-launch, pre-seed, or seed stages. This is your chance to accelerate their growth. Submit your pitch to Impact24 and get ready for a 10-week intensive program to elevate your solution. What's in it for you? How about up to 500,000 pesos in MVP project support, exclusive credits from industry partners, personalized mentoring, and a shot to pitch at SASCON PH, the country's biggest SAS conference this April. But yo, you gotta hurry up because submissions close on January 26, 2024 already. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your startup to new heights. Apply now at saschallenge.ph. That's saschallenge.ph. And good luck and I'll see you guys in Impact 24. And we're back from the break. We're still with the nicest D that I know. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> with Dick Chiang of Dragon Pay. So prior to the break, uh, Dick mentioned that you know uh, you then took on the more prominent role in Moscom. What made you jump out of the ship and start? How did Dragon Pay start? I mean, whatnot. Okay, so uh, the main reason why I, I decided to sell Planet Internet to Moscow was uh, I, I saw the writing on the wall uh, for the okay. small ISPs that we couldn't survive. Mm-hmm. And the whole cycle kind of repeated itself uh, because towards the end of you know, 2000, you know, going towards 20, 2008, 2009, right. uh, the telcos started stepping into the ISP business. Oh, and, God. and the days of the independent ISBs was again That's writing like on the that, wall, right? Seeing Thanos, like, oh my God, Thanos uh, is shit. Yeah, you, yeah. You, you know, you couldn't compete with the telcos because they, they control right. the lines. You're just basically selling their lines. Yeah. You, you know, they finally business. realized what they had on the right. fucking thing. Okay, got it. And uh, so at the time, we were looking for other things for Moscom to do. And, and the more logical thing was uh, we wanted to go into value that, value-added service. Vast. And okay. it so happened that I bumped into some people uh, mm-hmm. who were doing some stuff with online credit card payments and that mm-hmm. got me interested. Mm-hmm. So I, I started you know, a skunk works type of uh, project I- within Moscom and we called the product initially a PayEasy. PayEasy. So PayEasy uh, was, uh, came into light around 2006, I think somewhere in that period. Got it. So we were you know, playing around with, with PayPal, credit cards, BankNet, a little bit of Gcash. Um and uh, we started offering it to the public. Mm. And after like three, four years of doing that, uh, I came into the realization that, you know, hey, a lot of people would still not be able to make payments simply because they don't have credit cards, they don't have PayPal. Yep. So there must be some other way of doing this. But this is the same company still. Yes, I was still with Moscom at the time and there was still PayEasy. And, okay. and I just thought that, you know, I want to try this out. Uh, no idea if it will work or not. Yeah. So I gave a, pro- a proposal to the management that, are you okay with me trying this out on the side? So yeah, I'll be using yeah. my own money. Uh, you know, If it doesn't work, I lose my own money. The company doesn't have to right, worry about right, anything. Right. And uh, luckily enough, the, the board at the time was very open-minded. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so the the wife of the late uh, Dr. Gan at that time was the, the chairman and CEO. Okay. Um, and she gave her blessing. Okay. And so I started Dragon Pay really on the side back in, uh, I started experimenting around 2000, late 2009, I think, or wow, early 2010. Okay. And you uh, built it yourself? Yes. So How uh, did you build it? Like, is it like all you? There's, was there a product people? Or just oh, no, really? it, uh, at that time, there was no employee. So it was, you know, wow. before I, before I incorporated the company, I needed to try it out a bit. Yeah. Uh, and I also sort of 
uh, got into the idea by accident okay. because during the time that I was working with PayEasy, you know, we were dealing with uh, different international companies doing payments as well. Okay. And I came into this bump into this company called Use My Bank. Use and, My Bank. Yes, are and, they still around right now? I think so. I'm not okay. sure, but the, the whole sounds I- like a weird domain. Yes, <laughs> and okay. the whole idea was they would allow people to use their own online banking and okay. you know how to do and and to be able to pay using their online banking uh, uh, facility. So okay. I started asking around, trying to figure out how were these guys doing it, and you know one day I just had the proverbial light bulb. And it, Boom! Yeah, and it just and then I just realized what they were doing, and then I th- and I thought. That could work here, so I started uh, doing some experiments, and I started. Where were they based? Out of sorry, I just. Um, I think there's a they're a Canadian company. I think. Got it. Yeah. So but again, yeah. The, the, the circumstances are different. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Canada or North America by default is a credit com- a credit uh, both credit mm-hmm. countries. Mm-hmm. We are cash country. Exactly. Right? How were those adjustments that you did? Given that okay, it can work here. But it's a totally different ballgame. Actually, I, I didn't adjust it. So back oh. in early 2010, when I started it, I, I was gung-ho with the idea that, hey, I'm going to bring online banking access to you know people who would be able to use using their online banking account. Okay. And I was trying it out with the smaller banks at the time, like China Bank, East West Bank. Yeah. You know, back then, there were very small users. But mm. I thought that people would, it would just go like gangbusters. And uh, after going online for a while, I started realizing that, hey, people are not paying using their online banking account. It's either they don't have one or if they do have one, they're only using it for one purpose, which is to check their balance. Exactly. And so I had to do my initial pivot there after like a month or two when I came to that realization and a switch over to allowing over-the-counter payments through the banks. And that's kind of when it started picking up. And that's where, I guess, you you made your your big reputation Mm -hmm. because... Again, back then when the days of multiply, the days of all these early days of sulit mm-hmm. and whatnot, the only way you can get paid, at least with, with an online transaction, is through Dragon Pay. I remember so many times you bailed me out because my credit card was wonking out or maxed out or whatever, and the only way I can pay that online fucking purchase <laughs> is through the Dragon. But just a quick question. Why Dragon Pay? Why, why the name Dragon Pay? Oh, I have been asked that question, but there's really no amazing story behind it. Okay. It was really just a, a matter of me trying to figure out what are the available domain names. Got it. And I, I don't know why that, that domain name came along, but when I realized that nobody was using it. so Is it because a, of the Chinese influence too? Uh, Probably. Probably not. I don't know. Oh, really? I don't know. I, I was thinking like, Arowana Pay would have been weird. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, Join us, Arowana Pay. It's also a lucky thing in Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dragon Pay has a nice ring to it. Okay, now when you saw that there's traction, you said you were doing this alone, mm-hmm. and you're still with Moscom. Yes. What was that pivot? That all right, time to jump. And then how how did that transition happen? So I actually tried. Doing this on the side for like a good couple of years. Okay. So I was employed in Moscow, working working my usual shift. Uh, at the same time, I was doing this on the side. Okay. And when the volume started picking up, that this was like around 2011, I think I realized that hey, I needed someone uh, to help me with because at the time I was the coder, I was the the tech support, I was the sales everything. guy, everything right. because I was the only guy, right? Uh, so I contacted uh, a former uh, employee okay. and, and I asked her, hey, you want to do this on the side? You can Who work was this from guy? Uh, a, a lady, actually. So oh, yeah. she was also a former Moscow employee okay. and she left the company for a while and they said, 
you want to try this out doing this remotely and she, sure. so she helped me out so nice. at the start no physical office she was working from home and I was working remotely wherever I was how were you able to get the traction because that's hard yes. especially if you're again a lot of the startup founders who are probably listening to this are probably in that stage at the moment or have been through that stage where the whole team is you mm-hmm. right? you're everything as a moment like how I did hustle share for a while right before podcast that was burned everything was me recording show notes whatever all the way to the website and that's that's now how I'm able to build a team because it's it but for you how were you able to generate traction because it's easy to do everything well mm-hmm. but for you to do everything well and pick up traction that's that's a very exciting thing to do. How were you able to do that? I think it was being at the right place at the right time. Uh, I really can't credit myself for doing something really right that it worked. Okay. Uh, uh, back in uh, mid 2010 to towards late 2010, we that was the 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 start of the daily deal sites. Yes, and we rode that that wave all the way to the crest. So. Our very first merchant was Cash Cash Pinoy. Boom. Shout and out Derek uh, Frederick <laughs> Levy. <laughs> and yes. the second merchant was uh, Metro Deal. Metro Deal. So, so that's again, Ralph. Ralph. I don't know where he is now. But that'll be and, a, yeah. If you're around, if you're somehow bump into this, I'd love to have you on the show. It's been a while. He's probably in an he owns, probably owns an island. He has a good exit, right? You oh, know. very good. Yeah. And, and <laughs> probably owns an island somewhere like... Uh, La Casa de Papel and what So who else? Uh, you didn't do Groupon. Did you do Groupon? We never did. Uh, That's why we, we died. We, we, <laughs> we tried, you know, uh, eventually worked on other projects with Pat, uh, you know, after yeah. after the whole Groupon thing. But we tried and I understand that it was really kind of complicated because they were a foreign company and they had standards and they had to, to do certain things. Yeah. And but we did everybody else and so go the, the, the whole deal except size. Except Groupon. Yeah, except Groupon, yes. Fuck. That's why we died. I was, I was former Groupon. Oh. I was one of their first salesmen. I was one of their top salesmen. That's where I learned how to sell. So thank you, Groupon, for telling, uh, teaching me the art of con, being a con man. <laughs> a con so many people. Just kidding. But no, for real, legit sales. I learned that through the Daily Deals hustle. So that's where the right yes. timing. Yeah, because everybody was into the Daily Deal. So we got a lot of visibility without sp- send, uh, spending a single cent on marketing. Wow. And it just kind of followed that, you know, the next guy who wanted to start a deal site saw our logo in the competitor site, so they called us. Right. And it just sort of perpetuated from there. But it's this is a double-sided sword, right? Of course, you have to get the, the supply side, which is going to be, uh, I mean, the, the demand side, which is going to be from the deal sites and mm-hmm. all the traffic that comes from there. How are you able to hustle to get part of all these banks? Because this is hard. Ah, and ah. they're all fucking, they have their own architecture right. and it's all weird. And most of them are primitive by default. How are you able to get to that network? Uh, well, the answer to that, that's the real hustle there, right? So I, I just went through it and did some hacks, didn't get their permission. And after a while, once they started seeing the volume, you know, they'd call you up. And then you arrange for a more formal uh, integration with the bank. Okay, so, so what, what were those and what were those vulnerabilities? Because I'm pretty sure, to this day, there's still a lot of assets exposed with some banks, but most of them are being. Oh yeah, uh, I, I think a lot of them have been addressed, especially with you know things like uh, one-time password, two-factor authentication nowadays. Yep. Back in the early days, none of those existed. Nope. So you know you could work around the system, and you know eventually they'd call you, "Hey, I don't like what you're doing, but if you want to do it the right way, work with us." Yeah. Yes. So. 
So better to ask for forgiveness than for permission. Right? I guess that's how it works. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> again, this is where the on the tech background comes into play mm-hmm. because you can everybody's like, hey, you know what? Let's fucking hack this guy. But if you don't understand how that works, good luck trying to make that work. Oh yes, because if you mm-hmm. went through the official route from day one, it would have taken forever. Boom. Right. No. Just working Close with one door. bank, it would have been. Like, who are you? Who are you anyway? <laughs> right. That's great. So that's where it is because you have to match that, and now you have the. The back end side and the front end side matched up. How were you able to build a team next? What were those people that you just, so you had a home-based girl. How were you then able to like, all right, we can't just be in this level now. We had to, to, to take it uh, up. Uh, well, we started taking on friends of friends. Okay. Uh, and this is where my, my wife pretty much really uh, there you go. Helped, the helped real commander. Yeah. yeah. So uh, <laughs> she's the one with all the, the HR admin uh, skills. Basically, the people skills which I lack, in which most programmers <laughs> lack. Uh, but in fairness to you, uh, you always attend all these conferences, and what I never noticed that you're just like you know you 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 you, you manage yourself well. You know, you hold down the fort pretty well. Well, I, I guess you get used to it after a while, but right. uh, that's not really what you know what I'm very comfortable with, and I'm, right. at the heart, I'm really a tech guy. Got it. Uh, so yeah, so we started hiring uh, support people through friends of friends of contacts and. For the longest time, I never really hired a, a, a developer, so yeah. I was still doing everything, wow. everything until until recently, actually. Wow! And how did you fully leave Moscom? How was that mm. like? And it's like you know what, I'm out. This is I, I'm entering the dragon. Okay, so that right? was 2010 uh, when I started Dragon Pay, and Moscom was running. Uh, and as I said, the writing was on the wall. The, the business was getting smaller because the ISP business was really going yeah. towards the telco. And, the uh, telco Thanos. Yes. Right. And uh, towards 2012, uh, there were a lot of changes within the company as well. Changes, uh, you know, changing of the guards. And I thought it was the right time to, to move on. Got it. Uh, so 2012, I formally disassociated myself with the company to do Dragon Pay full-time. Was that scary? Because you, you for the longest time, you got the cushion of, yes, yeah. well, of, of a nice salary and nice office. And, you know, there's a side hustle. But when your side hustle becomes your main hustle, that's fucking scary as shit. How was that for you? Well, at that time, 2010, so I would have been like 30 years old. Uh, I'm sorry, 2012. 2012. Yeah. So I would have been, four, I was already in my 40s and, you know, uh, married and with kids. So mm-hmm. it's not really an ideal age for you to do something crazy, Correct. right? With leaving all the com- that risk. Right. Leaving right? the comfort of, of a stable job. But which is why I guess it worked for me that I was doing this on the side for a couple of years because right. it gave me the confidence already to know that, yes, we have sufficient volume that if I stop my day job, that everything will you know, still go fine. So I, I, I have to admit that a lot of entrepreneurs probably don't have a similar opportunity to, to be able to have that cushion net before exactly. taking the jump. But in right. my case, I already saw that you know Dragon Pay was already working. It was operational. It was getting stable. So I wasn't afraid anymore of of leaving uh, our day job. What was that turning point? There's got to be a turning point. Like, all right, time to jump. Because a lot of the listeners too, and I still get every once in a while, um, people ask me like, hey, you know what? I want to leave my job. And these are mostly hustle share listeners, random people that listen to the show. I don't know personally, and they'll ask, what? When do I do I raise now? I think my idea is great, but you know. I don't want to do my job anymore. I'll do this now. I was like, no, man. If you listen to my first ad, I talk about going all in, right? I did that route. I was broke for fucking three years. Yeah, I, I eventually figured it out. But knowing what I know now, 
I should have ran a main hustle and made a side hustle so that I made ends meet. I didn't have to go through the same, you know, stupid, desperate stuff that I had to do. You know, again, uh, hindsight is always twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. But how did that turn for you? All right, this is it. Turning point. I think I can jump to the next boat. Okay, so... Uh so when Dr. Gan passed away, so his wife took over and she also passed away, uh, I think around 2010 or so. I can't, I can't remember exactly the time. And when she passed away, the, the kids took over. Okay. And I guess they just have a different idea of how to run the company. So second, first generation, second generation. Right. So, so for me, it was, okay, this is it. Time to go. Got it. All right. And then now, what were the first things you did being the first? The whole head honcho guy, I guess. Of course, in tandem with your wife. Now this is all you have. Mm-hmm. It's scary, I can just imagine. But at least now there's traction as well. You're mm-hmm. not really... Because a lot of people make mistakes that, all right, I'm going to jump the gun and switch. And you're just starting from zero. Yeah. No, you need to have momentum already before you jump so that when it catches you, yeah. you're still moving forward and you're you're going to catapult faster. right? For, for you, what were the first key things? that Because you said you were doing the tech side. On the upside, what were you doing to, to scale this up? Uh, well, I was also running the infrastructure, uh, basically doing the whole thing at the time. Uh, but what I couldn't really do was provide customer support because that one really mm. takes time, right? Uh, you would have to answer calls, answer emails, answer chats, and there's it, no chatbot yet. Yes, oh, no, no chatbot. Yeah, chatbot <laughs> or chatbot. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we needed humans, right. unfortunately, to do that part. So uh, my, yeah, I mentioned my wife helped a lot in, mm-hmm. in hiring those people, getting them on board, the first few people. So it was it was fun, really, growing from scratch, and we had to move offices to, as we get bigger. Right. Uh, and that's still an ongoing journey. So we're now at around uh, 50-something employees. Wow. And I mean, you have very formidable employees, too, like MJ, who's mm-hmm. now part of your team. is like a big, big heavyweight, really. Literally. Not, literally, but, you know, he, <laughs> he's well-known to be, to be someone who's very well-respected in the community. But before we take another break, let's, uh, what, was the, what was the most profound struggle that you had to go through? In Dragon Pay, that you that you know what, like if that could have been a kill, it could have killed us, because there we always have those near death experiences that we do. But this is this is common among all stars that have to go through. Like, oh shit, if we didn't have gone through that hump, we would have been dead by now. Do, do you recall some of those instances or near death experiences for the dragon to to die? Uh, we've had uh, major problems much later on, but uh, I would say in the earlier days, I, there wasn't really that much of a big pivotal point because yeah. I, as I mentioned I was running this on the side so okay. for me it was an experiment if it didn't work it didn't work Got it. Uh, but what really uh, tipped things towards our favor I guess was the just again being the right place at the right time uh, the deal sites were, were going online and there was really no other option to make a payment outside of credit cards Got it. so uh, they went to us and luckily they took a chance with us uh, the next big hurdle was, of course, getting the big brand names to trust us. So yeah. if you're a, an airline or a huge property developer, the question would always be, how do you know you're not, you know, you're not going to run away with their money? And that was always <laughs> the question, right? You're, you're a tiny company. We're multi-billion pesos right. and you're collecting for us. How do we know you won't you know, cash out and just go to the Bahamas and, yep. you know, and hide? So Money it, heist. It, it was right. tough to convince the first few big merchants. And, and to this day, I, I always credit uh, 
you know, the, the early guys who took uh, a leap of faith with us, and those would be the likes of Air Asia. So oh, Air Asia at the time, Mike, uh, at that time there was no Air Asia Philippines yet. Right. So we were dealing Zest. with Air Asia. There was no Zest. It wasn't even Zest yet. It was Air Asia Malaysia. Tony Fernandez. Well, his people. Wow. <laughs> so okay. it was originally the flight just between KL and Manila, and it was operated by wow. Air Asia Malaysia. And right, right, Air Asia right. Philippines did. Even uh, happened before until, Kong, like, Kong Mikey did, yes. did all of this thing. Okay, so they're one of the first few big brands who took a, a, a risk with us, and then from there, you know, whenever I go to a sales call, I would go, "Hey, you know, these really large regional airlines trust us, so should you, yeah. right?" So, so it, that's your marquee client, yeah. and, and and I also use that too. I can apparently, yeah, okay. One of my early clients is your first employer in Chatwat VH. Your very first employee that you just mentioned. I'm oh, not okay. gonna say. Oh, the bank. Uh, yeah, the bank. Ooh. Right. So that was my market. Like, yeah, check this out. I got yeah. a bank. Like, <laughs> who are you? So again, and that's a that's a great sales tip, especially like all you need is a good market. And I got this strategy from the Pursuit of Happiness. Hmm. If you remember Will that Smith. movie, Will Smith, right? He has this whole pipeline of sales leads. Right. Instead of climbing through the ladder, he aimed for the top guy. So if he gets the top guy. Everything else is follows, and I use that, that 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 philosophy in my all my business. The first one when um, in guest list, the first club I got was Embassy, and that was like the club <laughs> of all clubs. <laughs> like, oh shit, I got Embassy. The rest was right. gravy. S- second thing with with chatbot again, the bank, boom, oh shit, blah blah blah. And then again, I'm trying to do that now. I'm trying to look for the major sponsor. <laughs> so that's basically it, right? So it's it's a great strategy, and again, it opens up so much, so many doors. That even if you don't really make money out of that first yes, first client, yeah. but them being your marquee, it's it, yeah, it's the the brand e- equity, and you, and you try to build uh, that sense of trust around your brand by associating yourself with a bigger brand. Correct, exactly, and again, by name of association, which again is a very old tactic, but still works. Yes, any time of the day. And, any day of the week. I have to admit, like the first few times I had to, to sell Dragon Pay and nobody heard about it, I would say, you know, we're a sister company of this company called Pay of this product called Pay Easy, which oh. is being sold by Moscom, which is the first commercial ISP right, from right, way right. back in nineteen ninety four. So right. I was trying to establish a sense of stability to the brand, even right. though technically it was totally unrelated. Correct. But it's a narrative as well. Yes. Like you're the common denominator. Like same way I also pitch uh podcast network now, like you know, it's not a separate thing from how I did Guestless and Hustle. I mean, I was like, hey, I paid all my dues. Right. It's part I of the journey. So right? much. Yeah. Right now, I know what to do. I'm swinging for the fences on this one. So that's what it is. Anyway, before we get too carried away, again, let's let's go back and uh, take another break. And when we okay. come back, let's stay and pay it forward to those people who are learning so much out of this this very great episode. But let's talk about that more after the break. Hey Hustlers, it's time to talk business once again and we're excited to share a bit more info about our sponsors, Sprout Solutions. And again, just like what I said at the start of the episode, you should check out Sprout's Payroll Starter as you grow your own startup. Because this bundle that they have is literally what you need to take your startup to the next level as you grow your employees. And this bundle is your key to freedom, including payroll outsourcing to experts, a subscription to timekeeping and attendance software, and government compliance services. Sprout's Payroll Starter 
Kickstarter has you covered for payroll, BIR, SSS, and taxes. All the stuff that no founder loves to do. So let Sprout handle the busy work and say goodbye to lines and tax payment stress. All this for as low as 5,000 pesos. Again, that's just 5,000 pesos all in for your payroll and HR needs. So visit sprout.eh payroll-starter-monthly-5k or again, just click the link in the description box of this episode to elevate your business management game. And again, big thank you to Sprout Solutions liberating your time for what truly matters. Hey hustlers, wish there was an easy way to open a bank account and grow your money without the hassle of lengthy application process and income documents? Well, I got good news because today's sponsor, Uno Digital Bank, is here to help you achieve your financial goals. You can easily open an account with the Uno app in just five minutes and one valid ID. And as one of the six digital banks licensed by the Banco Central ng Pilipinas, the company is committed to providing customers with simpler, better, and more accessible banking. Last year, Uno Bank was recognized by the Asia Banking and Finance Awards and bagged the title Open Banking Initiative of the Year due to the success of its partnership with GCash, one of the Philippines' leading mobile wallet platforms. And with the Uno mobile app, you can access an hashtag UnoReady savings account and enjoy daily interest crediting. With their hashtag UnoEarn or hashtag UnoBoost time deposit accounts, you can enjoy a high interest rate of up to 6.5% per annum. Enjoy monthly payouts with hashtag UnoEarn Earn in flexible tenors with hashtag UnoBoost. Other app features include pay bills, the Uno Virtual Debit MasterCard, life insurance, scan and pay with QRPH, and phones. And the one thing that I really love about Uno Digital Bank is they're open to collaborate with a lot of Filipino startups. I've had a chance to see the partnerships that they've had lined up with the startups that they have, and it's truly exciting to see how a digital bank like Uno can enable startups to unlock the power of fintech through digital banking. So if you're ready to elevate your banking experience, download the Uno mobile app today from the Google Play Store or App Store. Or if you want to collaborate with them, I'll be happy to give you an intro. Just shoot us an email at hello at huffleshare.com. Hey, hustlers. I hope you're having a great 2024 so far. As you know, a lot of startups had a very challenging 2023, and hopefully things are going to do better this year for a lot of us. Not just because it's the year of the dragon, but also because our sponsor, Dragon Pay, is here to help your startups process payments in the most efficient way. Established in 2010, Dragon Pay empowers businesses of all sizes to accept and disperse payments through secure and convenient channels, giving your customers the flexibility to choose the payment method that suits them best. With over 85 partner channels, 35,000 partner branches nationwide, including QRPH, e-wallets, crypto, buy now, pay later, and many more. They also process an astonishing 15 million transactions processed globally each month. Dragon Pay is your trusted choice for online payments. And here's something to show you how legit Dragon Pay is. Dragon Pay was named FinTech of the Year at last year's Philippine FinTech Festival in 2020. So let's make 2024 extra prosperous for you and your startup in this year of the Dragon. For more details, head on over to dragonpay.ph. That's dragonpay.ph. Trust the pioneer, trust Dragon Pay. Pay. 
And we're back from the break for the final part with Dick Chiang of Dragon Pay, who now I understand how he was able to now jump from side hustle to main hustle in a heartbeat. So, Dick, real quick. So, you you said that prior to, to, to again, you did a lot of those things. What was the turning point that excited you? did the customer-facing side. How did you detach yourself? Because this is one of the things that a lot of entrepreneurs have a hard time doing, right? Detaching yourself from the whole process is because a lot of there's you can be a great founder in that especially when the 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 startup calls for it or needs it but sometimes you have to mature and take a step back and really become a ceo how did that transition happen to you because you didn't just go from zero to you now have 50 people working with you and you have to mature and have a different role every day too and there's mm-hmm. different fires you have to put up how was that process for you I guess you can never really detach. Uh, uh, but as, as the only way to grow the company, you have to take in more partners, take in more uh, faith with other people. And I, and I guess that's always a challenge for the entrepreneurs at the start, letting go, right? Yeah. Uh, well, who got by Tito Dick? Yeah. <laughs> and which is, why, go. which is why for the right. longest time, I guess I've never really hired programmers because I've never felt comfortable about sharing the code to somebody else. Got it. Uh, it's it's, it's the like, dragon code. It, it's the, the the crown jewel, right? There you go. There you go. <laughs> so, uh, but but yeah, but the only way to keep growing it is to eventually open it up, you know, trusting more people, um, and getting help on things that you're not really good at. And I've always credited my wife that when it comes to the people handling side, admin side, I it's really not uh, my main line. Yeah. And I, and I have to turn that over to somebody. So now with the tech side, you now have juniors as well under you. Yes. And uh, recently we uh, brought in a guy who's who's been around the industry for quite a while. Uh, he's done work with us, you know, on a part-time basis in the past, but you know, we're happy to finally have him fully uh, on nice. board. Yeah. So okay. he's going to help a lot. So now you can smile. How is that transition like? Because like for me, it was different. I got so used to doing so many th- things on, on my own. And especially, I guess, the biggest adjustment was I got so used to doing so many things at my pace. And my pace is super fast. If I, I, I was like, do, do, bam, 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 fuck it, like, go, 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 close it. And then I realized, like, shit, okay, that there's the pace, but you gotta teach them that. And people come from different types of cultures. How are you able to manage that and instill the dragon mentality into them? Because this is different. Now you have to really become CEO. And one, one thing that really stood out for me, that the, the great advice I also got here in Hustle Share through Roland Ross of Kumu, who said great founders had uh, have to have a zoom in, zoom out mentality where, you know, and shit hits the fan, oh, I'm going to zoom in, wear this hat. But at the end of the day, I have to like, whoop, okay, go back out and see if things from a macroscopic point of view. For you, how were you able to then pass that on to those people? Well, you would, uh, in some cases, we heard people who really knew their, their stuff. So like uh, I brought in a, a more senior marketing guy where in, where in before I would be doing marketing basically by shooting from the hip. Uh, I would think, hey, that's a cool idea. I'd do it. But there's really like no... Uh, no science behind it. Got it. So now that I, I got someone who's... Is this really, MJ? 
No, no. MJ oh. is uh, doing more general management for us. Wow, so okay. we got a guy for do, specifically doing marketing, and his, that's his forte. So mm-hmm. I just entrusted to him. Got it. Uh, the same with, with the other departments. So for the longest time, actually, when things were starting out, I was also the bookkeeper. I was the, the accountant. Wow. I was doing the whole, you know, <laughs> encoding in peach tree accounting. So wow. so in the last couple of years, we brought in already a, a senior finance guy. So he's like our CFO. Nice. And that has significantly reduced the load on my side when having to deal with anything related to finance. So okay. it's a matter of getting the, the senior people to step in and offload you. And you're right, if something really seriously goes wrong, then that's when you go to right. zoom Super in Super Saiyan. Boom. <laughs> oh, I'll kill you with my dragon pyre. There you go. <laughs> okay, now ne- ne- let's talk about scaling. Right now, scaling has so many components mm-hmm. when, when it happens because it doesn't just happen like, oh, I'm gonna scale, it's not just happening. Oh, the, the demand is bigger, right? It, you also have to match it up with, 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 with supply and everything else, right? And especially production, because this is you know, when you're talking about millions of transactions, there's got to be a lot of components. Let's talk about the first one funding. Did you just bootstrap this, or did yes. you ever? Uh, yeah, I bootstrapped it with uh. It was like a Christmas gift from my parents. So they gave me some money. What is uh, this ballpark figure? I want to have parents like ah. that. <laughs> Where do you have parents? Ah, that was like, I think that was like 50,000 pesos. No way. So that was the seed money for Dragon Are Pay. Dragon Pay started with 50,000 pesos from like a Christmas gift or something. And uh, yeah, I used that money to open some a few bank accounts. What? And I started playing around with it. And the and we never really raised money at the start because I was doing it on the side. I wasn't taking any salary, mm-hmm. and I didn't take salary actually until I, until around twenty thirteen, I think, or twenty fourteen. How did you make your com- family survive? Uh, uh, well, in the case of uh, well, from the start of twenty ten to twenty twelve, I was fully employed in Moscom, so I right. had other. Uh, source yeah, of income, source right? Of income, right. And, and when we started doing this full-time and then I quit my day job, we also had a, uh, a restaurant franchise running on the ah, side. So there so was still some income and some rentals here and there. So uh, I didn't really have to take that on a salary. Bills. Yes. Got it. All right. Now let's talk about the, 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 the scaling in terms of operations and, and all these things. Because um, you can't just make... It's not chamba. Okay? You keep saying that, you know, oh, you're the right place at the right time. Yo, come on now. Let, <laughs> can we just flex a little bit? Nick, this is not chamba. You can't just be that. How are you then able to scale in terms of... Because the group buying sites died. But you're almost 10 years old, Dick. This, 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 we only have three, dec- three months left in this decade. For you to stay this long in terms of longevity... You must have done a lot of things right. Because most startups die before they even turn three. You're about to triple that now. And with FinTech, which is being a very competitive mm-hmm. game, because how many competitors do you have? Holy shit, I don't even know. right? And there are new players who are very gung-ho and trying to killing, trying to kill the old players. Let us say. not mention them. Uh, we can, <laughs> but again, it's a, it's, again it, it's a totally it's, it's a big market. It's payments is big. For you, how were you able to scale the business side and in parallel with the supply side? I mean, you talked lightly already about the the, the staff that you hired. Well, I've always been a a believer of this book uh, called Crossing the Chasm. Uh, It's a kind of, it's an old book. So I I don't know if you've actually, uh, uh, you were around when the book was in its Yeah, this is like The Little Prince, right? No, no. (laughs) (laughs) I think think it's written by Geoffrey Moore, right? Okay. So it's a, it's, Talking about the typical uh, life cycle of a startup and the whole 
a premise is when you start out something, of course, you, you're supposed to go on this big uh, curve, mm-hmm. you know, from starting here until you, you die yep. down eventually. But the problem seems to be at the start, there is what they call a chasm, which if you fail to cross that chasm, you never go to Main Street. Exactly. And for me, the chasm was basically getting economy of scale. And if you couldn't get economy of scale in the payment business, you're, you're going to die because we make very little money per transaction that the only way to stay around is if you have volume. And the question is always, how do you get that volume? And for us, for us to cross that chasm, the, the answer, as much as I hate to say it, being the right place at the right time, it was the deal sites. They really brought in the volume at the time, which allowed us to cross our chasm. Right. And that's where the early traction and the... Yes. Hockey stick. That's yes. That's what they like it to call it now. Right. And eventually, as you said, the deal sites started dying down. Although MetroDeal is still doing well. They're right. still but they're not as mainstream as Lazada or, yes. uh, or Shopee, or Shopee right. now. Yes. How, were you, are, you, are you now part with partners with those sites as well? Oh, yes. We, so we uh, process payments for Shopee as well. And definitely, uh, depending on which survey you look at, they're supposed to be one of the two biggest being Lazada being the other player, right? A, a, one A, one B. Yeah. But how did you transition from there? Because, you know, uh, the deal sites died an ugly death, All majority of them. Well, they didn't all die at the same time, right? So right. I guess as new business models were popping up and right. there, the marketplaces were coming up, so it was a, 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 I guess like a wave wherein one was dying down but another was taking its place. Got it. So and the common denominator was all of that needed payment. Needed payment. And right. also around 24, 14 to 2016, we started getting into some government contracts. Ah. So that also really boosted the the volume as well as our uh, brand recognition in the market. So we started working with the POEA at the time. Got it. Uh, and then the NBI project came in. So... Uh, right place at the right time. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know, man. For a guy named Dick, this is guy is super humble. <laughs> it's like the complete opposite. <laughs> okay, but all right. Now, I have a few questions now. So, uh, let's pay it forward. So, Dragon Pay is, of course, one of the behemoths, the biggest dragons in the payment system and the payment uh, and fintech per se, right? And nobody can deny that. One of us, one way or another, you, I've, I've booked a flight to KL before through, through Dragon Pay. If not, I wouldn't have gone to KL. So, thank you for that. But let's talk about um, financials first. You said you didn't take salary. What do you do? And this is where a lot of people fuck up. And it's not talked about too much. Because, you know, people make it rain and whatnot. How do you make sure that you reinvest all the earnings and you grow? Because especially first-time entrepreneurs, they have shiny object syndrome. Like, yo, I need that PS4. We need to have a game room, blah, 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 blah. What was your philosophy in managing your expenses so that it just reinvested in it? You don't need to raise funding. Only a few people in this, especially in the tech scene, have actually bootstrapped. Everybody needed seed somewhere else, mm-hmm. but you were able to do this on your own. There has to be a system in place. What is that? Well, we we always uh, believe more in the traditional way of growing a business, wherein you grow organically. So I've never really been into this whole. You get huge seed money, you you burn it like crazy to grow your volume. I could never really get myself to you know go into that uh, thinking mode. Yeah. Uh, and I've always told people that Dragon Pay has actually pretty much been arguably 
profitable from the start because I wasn't taking salary and there was no overhead, right. no office. So every single 10 pesos that we were making was actually earning already. Exactly. Uh, but we did take in an investor in 2014, uh, a Japanese uh, venture uh, payment Payment Gateway Venture Fund. Yeah. And uh, the main reason why we did was not really so much that we also needed money. It was more of... At that point in time, I thought I needed more credibility already and having a publicly listed company in Tokyo taking an investment on us and they're the largest payment gateway in Tokyo, it helped to the story, right? So now I can go around telling people when I make a sales pitch that, hey, we're partly owned by this publicly owned company in Tokyo, right? So it helped in in establishing that whole mystique of, uh, you know, that image of you being a stable company, which is very important for payment gateways. Right. All right. Now, I have a question also in terms of networking. Given that you said this is not something you enjoy the most, for an introvert like you, what was your uh, strategy in getting yourself out there, especially that it's not... Again, it's not natural for you, like you know, to, to, to go out there, and, but you still got it done, and you maximized out of the the, the the opportunity that you invest in there. Well, for the first several years, I was the one pretty much representing us as well in, in you know in different trade organization yep. and in meeting with people. But after a while, it really takes a lot of your time. Networking yeah. is important, but it saps your energy yeah. as well. And we're pretty lucky, I guess, that we bump into MJ because MJ loves go. that stuff, right? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so yes. it's, a, it's a perfect fit. Right. Uh, he enjoys that stuff and we needed somebody to do that stuff. Correct. And I was, you know, I, I needed more time to do other things. So right. it worked very well because MJ is kind of like our, our public person, our, P, our public relations guy. Yes, the face. Yes, so he, he gives us the visibility out in the market. But every now and then, like... Uh, when uh, a good friend like uh, Ron Pai Chong in- invites you to a hustle share, you know, you, you don't say, can I send MG? <laughs> no, 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 you don't do that, right? Yes, yes, yes. But again, this is very inspiring hustle. But I have a question also on longevity. What's, what's the secret to, to make sure that you, over the ebbs and flows and all the other shit that will hit the fan multiple times, what's your secret? Because 10 years is an eternity uh, in tech. Yeah. Well, I guess I, going back to growing organically, uh, if you can grow organically that long, I guess it validates your business model and the way you do your business, uh, making sure you keep things, your you know your expenses in check. And again, that's where my wife comes in uh, mm-hmm. because if it were up to me, I'd probably overspend on some some things. <laughs> uh, Set so she, yeah, so she keep things in right. check, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, uh, just having a solid business model, one that makes sense, if you can grow it organically over the years, there must be something right with the way you're doing it. So, which is why I'm always a bit hesitant with the model of splurging. And we've seen a lot of those big startups, right? Yep. Spend money like crazy and then they run out of funds and that's it. Sorry. Like, bam. Yeah. Ugly death right there. Now, the last question, the second to the last question. Um, what's your advice for people who wanted to, to take the same path where they have a main hustle now? And they have a side hustle, which they want to be your main, main hustle uh, to eventually do what you did and be successful. Because this is a perfect example of a guy who did a side hustle. It went fi- fucking well, like through the roof, right? But also maintained the main hustle before he jumped in. What's your advice for those peeps? I think the question there would be, um, is your main hustle something that you really enjoy doing? Because that that. If the answer to the question is yes, but you just want to do something on the side, then I would say by all means, you know, stay with your main hustle. 
you could always hire people to do the side hustle, uh, uh, you know, or try figuring out uh, from your time how to do it. But if your main hustle is going to, is starting to feel like a drudgery that you're dragging your feet every day back to work just to do that main hustle, then yes, you should definitely consider sometime in the very near future of how you can grow your side. Uh, but I really wouldn't recommend just completely jumping unless you're 20 years old and like 20 to 25 years old yeah. and you can just take that risk. If you're but 23, if, you can't jump anymore. Yeah. Just <laughs> <laughs> but at 40, it's a very risky proposition. Yes. You just don't drop your main line, of, your main source of income to try something totally crazy. So, you know, try to run it on the side as long as you can once you're really sure about it and if you're really unhappy with your main hustle, then you take that leap of faith. How do you know you're sure? Because this is where a lot of people fuck up too. Like, I think I'm sure... And they, they get enamored with their idea, like, I'm going to fuck it. Uh, let's go. Yeah. And then they make the same mistake that I did. Because guys, remember, huh? th- there's no better teacher than mistakes. Mm-hmm. But it's also great if you can learn from other people's mistakes and you don't have to make the same fucking mistake and whatnot. Like, oh, shoot, there's a pothole. Uh, she, he fell for that. But you know that there's a fucking pothole and you still went <laughs> in, right? So th- those are the things. How do you, make sh- how do you now Ooh. know that you don't yeah. oh, do that? That's a very hard question to answer but in my case Dragon Tea was running for two years from 2010 to 2012 before I took the leap of faith so there was already traction there was economy scale so for me there wasn't that big of a risk anymore got it and you already saw prior performance it's not just a fluke anymore there you can always look back All right, our PNL last year was like this there's X amount of growth that if I do jump in Mm -hmm. there's I can now project because there's there's enough time to look comparative analysis from now into before yeah. and this will be probably how it's going to be like down the road. Last question, Dick. What's the biggest lesson that you, you can take out of this journey? Because 10 years is not easy, right? You know, there's a lot of those things that you're going to have to go through that have been through and it's not going to stop. We're not stopping at 10 years. I'm pretty sure you can still be doing this 10 years after. Mm-hmm. What's the biggest lesson that you've learned out of this journey, Phil, for? I guess uh, getting the right people early on uh, trying to do things on your own from the very start I think delays a lot of the processes Uh, I think we could have grown faster if we took in the right people earlier uh, took some risk or or to uh, delegate some of the task earlier Mm -hmm. yeah so um, yeah you know I I, I get asked that question of does it is it more effective to have uh, founders were in like they're a group of friends when they start things out and mm-hmm. you know one guy does the tech the other guy's the sales the other guy's the marketing as opposed to being a, lo- a sole founder mm-hmm. uh, it goes both ways I guess there are pro- pros and cons in either uh, either way but uh, at the end of the day I guess it boils down to having to be able to build a team and you really just can't do it alone Absolutely. Okay, now Dick, invite over people and tell them it's the bear month. There, people are gonna use you a lot. What's next for for Dragon Pay and what they they can get out of out of this very very amazing startup? It's not even a startup tech company. Yeah. So yeah. So we're still focused on our vision and our mission to. Uh, expand payments uh, here in the Philippines to allow more and more people to go uh, into this e-commerce bandwagon and uh, we're adding more payment options and one of the stuff that we're working on right now is installment payments so we'll be rolling that a bit and we're not talking about credit card installments these are cash installments we're basically taking in a loan Kulugan Kulugan yes so we're working with uh, some loan uh, financing partners and we will be slowly rolling this out to our merchant partners so you can 
hopefully soon buy you know uh, a Samsung uh, S10 or an iPhone and pay hulugan wow because I'm trying to get a nail cutter and I can't afford it I need 5 gibs <laughs> for this nail cutter <laughs> that is amazing again Dick thank you very much for thank you me. I hope you had fun and again um, guys if you like that episode don't forget to follow us on whatever podcast app that you're listening to and give us a review if you're listening on this Apple podcast and also for any show notes for any jargon that we said during the episode just go to hustleshare.com and follow us in our hustleshare community if you want to get first tips over who's, who we're inviting over and lastly don't forget to message us on our, our chatbot uh, on m.me slash hustleshare powered by chat.bh to do that and again don't forget to support, support Pinoy podcasters and we have a collaboration with Kumu app so download the Kumu app on the app, uh, Apple Play Store uh, Apple Play Store what the fuck Apple's Apple App Store and the Google Play Store to check out our exclusive live streams of all the podcasts that we, have, we do in the Podcast Network Asia and again Dick thank you very much thank you Ron appreciate it and I'll see you guys in the next episode peace